so many kids who are off the derech. There are brothers and sisters, brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, aunts, uncles, cousins. And many of them say, I don't want to get involved. I want to stay away. They think that, that this is contagious. And they're worried about their children. They're worried about their children being affected. I don't want them to know that you can go off the derech. That's what I've heard. Or I don't want them to see that Aunt Bracha is all of a sudden not sneistic. I don't want to have to explain things to them, all that kind of stuff. There's something we have to learn from the Torah, and I'm not saying this to be mean or to put pressure, but these are from people, and it's a shame for them to live like this and not understand, God forbid, the ramifications of their actions. Because we have an achrayus, we have a responsibility towards family. The Zaira Kaddish, which we're not going to discuss now, but there's ramifications if we ignore Mibsarcha Altasalam. Shmuel Kamenetsky Shlita, my Rosh Hashiva said, it's not just a love to ignore a family member who is in debt or who's sick in the hospital. Ignoring your family members who are struggling with Yiddishkeit or struggling with anxiety, depression, mental health issues is a love in the Torah. It's against our religion. So listen to this. This is very scary. I'm not saying it to scare you. I'm saying that you can't ignore this. Yaakov Avinu had a brother named Esav. Esav was very, very bad. He was circumcised, but he's not even considered a Jew. He's not even considered part of Klal Yisrael. And he did very, very bad things. None of our kids are Esav. None of our kids are doing the things that Esav did. And after Matan Torah, Every kid of ours is a Jew, was by Matan Torah, has a neshama, is a chelik l'kamimal, mamish. It's a totally separate situation. But even in Esav, Yaakov Avinu made a mistake. Yaakov Avinu was not Makar of his brother. And because Yaakov Avinu was not Makar of his brother, he was sitting and learning Torah. And look at the devastation that the Torah tells us happened to him because he ignored his brother Esav. Now our kids, they're no Esav. But even Esav, look what happened. It's very, very scary. Medrash Tanchuma says, the Svasemis brings it down in Tafresh Lamadalad. Ki brichas Yaakov hoyekumaygolos lumisha hoyreg nefesh b'shoigig. Yaakov Avinu was sitting and learning next to his home. He had a father and a mother, Yitzchak and Rivka. Can you imagine what life was like? All he did, sat and learned. No bigger masmid in the world. Peace of mind, tranquility, didn't have to go to work, didn't have to worry about anything. He just sat and learned. He was Yaakov Ovinu. All of a sudden, he has to run away from home. Pick up, take your stuff, and run. No, no way to contact anybody, no phones, no WhatsApp group, nothing. You and your money. And then shortly after, Eliphaz comes, steals all his money. Now, the biggest, richest kid, he was a rich kid, Avram Avinu was rich, Yitzchak was rich, rich. All of a sudden, his credit cards are not working, he has no money, he's poor. He's mamish poor. And he's alone. There's nobody in the world that he has. And then he has to go to Lavan. And then all of a sudden, he has to work for this crook. It's the work for this crook who tries to steal from him at every single, every day. And he goes through the hardest life, depression, 
I'm not saying he was depressed. I would be depressed. He went through a depressing, horrible, horrific, lonely life for 20 years. Why? Not only that, he never saw Yitzchak and Rivka again for the rest of his life. 20 years he lost out living with mommy and daddy. And what a mommy and daddy. 20 years of tranquility, sitting in the base medrash, going home for breakfast, lunch, and supper, and, and, and Shabbos meals with your father and your mother, and all of that, being in that house. And instead, he's going with his camel and his briefcase, if he had any, little knapsack, all alone. Horrible 20 years of his life. Why? Says the medrash. He had a din like somebody who kills someone by accident. Someone who kills somebody by accident is Chayev Golos. He has to go into exile. Why? Who did he kill? It was considered a sin. Listen to these words. That Esav was pushed away through him. He should have spent his life's mission, his focus should have been to bring Esav back in. Even Esav. So really, he has a din, a legal halachic din of a murderer. So why is it not b'mezid? Why is it b'shoigig? It was downgraded. Because he was a shuffle, he was low in his own eyes, Yaakov. He didn't think he's Mr. Esa Esha Torah. He didn't think, I'm, I'm not Chabad. So he didn't think that he could be Mekar of Esav. And therefore, instead of having a din, a ruling, that he is a murderer, B'mezid, he's considered only like he's a murderer, B'shegig. Our greatest Yaakov Avinu, Mitasai Shlema, the greatest Yaakov of and he's considered, he has blood on his hands, and the punishment is exile. 20 years of exile. 20 years not getting married, 20 years not having children. His whole life gets messed up for 20 years. And it's even worse. He got punished because he didn't have 20 years of Kibbut Ava Aim with Yitzchak and Rivka. Do you know what his punishment was? Yosef got taken away from him. And he lost his son. Yaakov had 12 children. He loved all of them. But he had a special relationship with Yosef. Yosef was supposed to be the next Rebbe. Yosef was the one he taught everything to. Yosef was his heart. And as a punishment for not being able to be mechabed and to honor and respect and, and deal, behave with Yitzchak and Rivka, on the other side he gets it again. 20 years of being separated from Yosef. Horrible. Why? Because he was supposed to realize, hey, my life is great. I'm Davuk Hashem. He was the regal of the Shechina. But what about my brother? I have to be Makar of my brother. Life cannot just be about me and my family and building my life. I have to take care of bringing in my brother. And I can. And I can tell you that everybody can. We've proven it. You don't need great skill. You don't need to be an orator. You don't need to be Esha Torah or Project Inspire or Chabad or anything because there's nothing to do with that. You need to show acceptance and love and everybody can be a part of being Makar of their brother and the sister. But I can't do it. I don't, I don't think I could. I, it, it's Bittal Taira. We get all these kind of things. Look what happened to Yaakov Avinu. You know how much Bittal Taira he had that he couldn't sit and learn in Beis Medrash? Instead he had to be on the run. 
He stopped off at Shein Ve'ever, and then afterwards, look what he had to go through. But to be alone, instead of being near his, his, being able to go home every single day and see his mother and his father and to get punished to lose, imagine, God forbid, not being able to see your son for 20 years as a punishment. And it gets even worse. He was supposed to be Makar Vesov, and there were many different ways of being Makar Vesov. But there was one situation that happened. It's very hard for us to understand. But let's just learn what the Torah... The Torah teaches this to us for a reason. When Esav met him and his children, he had 11 children. His 11 children. The Medrash asked, where was Dina? Nasna Mateva Yaakov Avinu did not want Esav to see Dina because he's going to want to take her as his wife. So he put her in a box and he locked it up. That Esav should not put his eyes, should not set his eyes on Dina. Forget about taking as a wife. We wouldn't even want this low life to look at my kid. You wouldn't want those eyes to even see, to even look at my kid. Ulukach nenash Yaakov. And Yaakov was punished. Shemana me'achav. He held back his daughter Dina, his pure daughter Dina. He held her back from Esav. Why? Why Why should I let my seven-year-old, beautiful, pure, innocent, in those days seven was like older because Rivka was three or whatever, it was different. Why should I let my Kalamado have to be seen by this thug? Shema taxirenu lemutov. She might have brought him back. She might have caused Esav to come back. And you know what the punishment was? Frightening, frightening words. You're trying to save Dina. Very nice. So the end of this, I don't know what Dina did to deserve this. It was her father's idea. But here is exactly what the Medrash says. The punishment was for not letting Dina marry Esav. Because that would have made him feel part of the family and could have brought him back, might have brought him back, is... She was abducted and raped. The Medrash says, Medrash Rabbah, You didn't want her to marry her off to somebody circumcised. So she got married to an Aral, to someone not circumcised. You didn't want to go ahead and marry her off willingly to Esav. So she's grabbed and she's married against her will. And that's what happens. And the Balaturim explains, Pashib Shat, to tell you. I would say, to tell us, to teach us. Because he didn't want to give to his brother, Dina, his daughter, that he hid her in the Teva, she went out because of that, and then she was raped by Shechem. Now, I'm not asking anybody to give their sweet, innocent children to marry the off the derech population. But look at what's going on over here. Look at what we're playing for keeps. Now, the worse the kid is, the more medicine they need. The chemo for this cancer is acceptance. When the person is so far gone, they need more acceptance. When they're even further, they need even more acceptance. 
what would have happened to Esav HaRasha that could have possibly made him become Esav HaTzadik was only one thing. Pure acceptance. I don't think you're bad. I don't think you're a lost cause. I think you're amazing. And that would have flipped him around. And it's like Othello. Anybody play Othello? Everything looks one way and all of a sudden flip, flip. It flips around. The worse they are, the better they can be. The more kaychis that they invest in sin and destruction, the greater they can go ahead and use it for what it was supposed to be. Esau and Yaakov, it's brought down, was supposed to be brothers in every sense of the word. Yaakov was going to be the Rosh Hashiva, but someone's got to be the fundraiser. Someone's got to be the cook, the Ish Tzayid. He was given those skills. But somehow there was a split. And Yaakov's avoida in his life was meant to pull him in. To pull him in, and if he would have pulled him in, then he wouldn't have been coming with 400 men to kill him. And even if he's coming with 400 men to kill him, he could have brought him back. How? Ultimate acceptance. What's the ultimate acceptance? Esav, my brother, I want you to be my son-in-law. There's no greater show of acceptance humanly possible. What? You want me to be your son-in-law? That means I have value in your world? That means I'm worth something? That could have flipped him to be Esav Atzadik. Sounds crazy. Sounds unreasonable. But it happened. The Gemara tells us two times that that's exactly what happened. Rabbi Yechenon was in the, I don't know, it was a pond, a lake, a creek, swimming. And he gets attacked by a bandit. Everybody knows the story. So what would you say? So Rabbi Yechenon is swimming, and all of a sudden he gets attacked. He's, there's a guy coming to attack him. And this guy is obviously very powerful, and it sounds like he was trying to attack him physically. Okay? Not didn't just want his money. And he tells him, Wow! You're incredible. You're amazing. Wow, your lot in life should be for Tyra. You know, your beauty, your strength. You know what you could be? And what does he answer him? Your lot, Rabbi Yechanan, should be for Znus. Because you're so beautiful. He says, you think I'm beautiful? I got a sister back home. She puts me to shame. I'll tell you what. Do tshuva, come learn, and you can marry my sister. Awkward conversation that night at the dinner table. So, Yaich, how was work today? How, what happened to you today? How was your day? Well, interesting thing, sis. I was swimming, and I got attacked by this uh, major robber guy. So I saw that, you know, he has potential. You know what I mean? If he would turn his life around, he could be, like, amazing. So I told him basically that uh, you're going to marry him. So I just want to let you know, you might want to tell some of your friends, Mazel Tov. What happens? That ultimate level of acceptance, and again, do not try this at home. I'm not telling you to do this. But that level of acceptance is the only thing that could have brought back the, the big robber, the big murderer, the rapist, the one who's over everything. That was the only way to get him back, was full acceptance. You're not bad. I think you're amazing. Oh, you've made mistakes? We've all made mistakes. You can turn around. You can be incredible. You're one of us. I want you to be my brother-in-law. And there's other times in the Torah, in the Gemara, that says basically the same story. So what do you see from here? There's nobody that we can't get back with acceptance. 
We don't have to use such extreme measures. But what we do see is the danger of ignoring your sibling, the danger of ignoring your cousin, your nephew, and your niece. I don't think us growing up that we realized that we're putting our lives in danger. I don't, I don't think that we realize that if I don't take care of my nephew, my niece who's struggling, I don't take care of, or if I say, well, I'm very worried about my kids, which the whole thing is a mistake. They're not, it's not, these kids are not allergic. They don't want to bring you down. That's all because without acceptance. Once you give pure acceptance, they're going to tell their nephews and nieces, no, no, don't touch my phone. Don't watch this. They're going to become mashkichim. I could say this. I'm doing this long enough. They prove me right. After they feel accepted, they're not against us. And look at what's happening in Klal Yisrael, how many organizations were created by people who were rejected against Hashem's Torah in the name of God. They were rejected. And now they're coming back. Swing. It swings back. They're coming back to kill us. We created all those organizations by parents and families and bad advice that showed rejection. They didn't listen to the Baal Shem Tov that gave very clear instructions. They didn't listen to the Chazanish. They didn't listen to all the G'daylam, Rav Pam Shlita, all Uzatzal, all of the G'daylam gave very, very, very clear direction, do not reject. And what did they do? They rejected. And now they're ganging up. They're coming back and they're trying to kill our education system and they're trying to pull kids off the derech and they're getting funding for it and they're going to cause a tremendous amount of damage. And we did that. So I got this uh, phone call from a family, and their daughter is unfortunately very, very suicidal. She's a, a wonderful girl, and she made it past seminary, and then she tried to kill herself. She ended up in the psych ward. She has a lot of cuts, and she ended up, before they came to me, she ended up far away in boot camps and stuff like that. Nebuch, such terrible advice to take away her dignity. And now she's living with the Mormons. She has a family member, not too many of them, but she has a family member that she's very close to. And that family member does go to visit her by the Mormons. But she says, I can't invite her to my house. Because if I invite her to my house, then my kids are going to see that their aunt is not from. She's not even rebellious. She's She'll come sneeze. Maybe she'll wear pants. She'll come like like our grandparents, many of us, uh, dressed uh, not that long ago. She's not going to be Michal Shabbos in front of the kids. She's not. She's a sweetheart. No. We can't have her there. I don't want them to ask questions. They're 8, they're 10, they're 12, very impressionable. I don't want them to know. Aha, uh-huh. so what happened to Aunt uh, Malki? Yeah, she's she's married and she's sitting and in, in, in her husband's learning in Kyle. What, are you just going to make believe like she disappeared? They shouldn't know. And because of that, they're ignoring her. And it's already three years that she is rotting away and nowhere to go. She can't go home. There's a reason why she can't go home. And her brothers and sisters are not saving her. And I promise you, I will sign, I will sign my name that in a short period of time, with normal acceptance and love, she would be back. She's not bad. She's not schlecht. She's, she did nothing to deserve this. She's completely abandoned in the name of this fear. My kids shouldn't know. I don't want them to see that she's wearing nail polish. My kids don't wear nail polish. Insanity. Insanity in the name of God. 
Think about these midrashim and think about Mibsarcha al-Tasalam. Are you doing the right thing? Letting her rot, rot, rot away. She's living in a basement of a Mormon home and she gets a couple of dollars from them to babysit the kids. Three years, rotting away. Where's her family? If they would learn the Zaira Kaddish, we didn't even get into that. We don't have time for that. And they would understand what's going on. This is the, the primary focus of their life. And the danger to their kids to ignore their sister, the, the retribution, chas v'shalom, rachman al-litzlan, that the medrash talks about, and the lavim involved, it's just unbelievable. And the, 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 is mean, it's just mean. It's just mean. And these are all sweet people getting bad advice. It's just mean. You let your sister just die. Just and then she's going to fall in love with a Mormon and they're going to say, oy vey, oy vey, she's abandoned by Jews. Oy vey, she fell in love. She wants to get married. Somebody came over to her and was nice to her. Where's her family? Where is everybody? And we have hundreds of kids like this. Hundreds of kids like this that feel like orphans. They feel unwanted. They're not wanted at home. They come home. The parents give them attitude. Not teepee families. Don't dress like that. What are you doing? Constant criticism. No love. Always made to feel like you're the bad apple. And they're the sweetest, nicest kids. People don't see that. They see the anger. I'll end with the example I always give. You open up your door and you see a dog. If you say, what are you doing here? Get out of here. It's going to rip your head off. And then you're going to blame the dog. It's a very angry dog. But if you calm and you get on your hands and knees, you, you show it, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not controlling you. I don't want anything from you. Come. And then you get some food. And you're nice. And you're kind. And you have a good vibe. You have a kind vibe. The dog is going to relax. He's going to put his kepi down on your lap. He'll put his head down on your lap. And he'll show you eventually where the boo-boo is. These kids are so, they're puppies. They're hurting. When you yell at them and you scream at them and you're angry at them and you show them you're disappointed and you say, again, you forgot. And there's that whole tension. Kills them pushes them away, drives them away. And it is against the Torah. You will not find any source to behave that way. I'm, I'm collecting. I have over 6,000 stories and sources. Show me one that says to behave that way. Why do we do that? Why is our default not love? Why is our default not Yud Why is our default not that the Zayar HaKadr says that someone who runs after those who are falling away from Hashem gets so much schar and get so much, like a whole aura around them of protection. They get nachas from their kids and they get to see grandchildren. It's a school to have children. It's a school to have grandchildren. Learn desire. Why don't we know this? Why is there a dark cloud that ascended over Klal for the last 30 years that the first reaction is, go to a therapist who will teach you what the Gaim do? As if we have no idea what to do. Why is our first reaction anger? I understand. Parents, you're in pain. When your kid has cancer, you're also in pain, but you don't stab the cancer patient. You make, you're making everything worse for yourself because of your pain. Your heart, your heart attacks and your stroke, I have parents dying because you're angry at the kid. And they, Stop it. Give the medicine that works. It works so beautifully. You end up having, what do you say, in six months? Peace and calm in your house. Peace and calm in your house. It's better for your blood pressure. Better for, like I told you before, but I'll say it on camera, who doesn't realize that that house that you have now is the best thing for your son's mental health and spiritual health? A year ago, mentally, 
he was in his room for almost a year and a half, two years, didn't leave his room. What's going to be from that? From or not from, that's not a human being. And Yiddishkeit, out the window. Who doesn't realize that the most important thing is they should be mentally and, and spir- for spiritual and mental health, they should be happy and accepted. I don't care what they're wearing. I don't care what they're doing or not doing. It's not about now. It's about carrying them through the dark years and not losing kids. Carrying them through with respect. You don't wear a yarmulke? I get it. Don't make them wear a yarmulke. You're not sneeze? I get it. What about the other kids? What about, what about, what about? There are very simple answers to all that. Watch a different video. But because of a question, you don't take a knife and stab somebody and you don't stab yourself. Because as we just learned from this medrash, we are hurting ourselves when we are not there to save our brothers and sisters, nephews and nieces, grandchildren, neighbors. When we're not out there to save them, using the tools of Aaron Ayev Shalom, Raidev Shalom, Ayev Esabriyais, such easy tools. Your uncle is one of the heroes. He'll say, it's not hard to love these kids. It's only hard. Yes, when it's your kid, it's hard. Fine, learn how to use the tools that work. It's, they're puppies. Especially in the beginning. If we would start this in the beginning, from the very first moment, there would be no anger, because cost never helped anybody. Anger never helped anybody. Anger is not part of chinuch. The Nesiva Shalom says that the Chazal teach us, kol hakoyis ki'ilu oived avadzar. Somebody who gets angry, it's like he's bowing to idols. And how could you imagine that while you're busy bowing to idols, you're going to do chinuch for Hashem? I'm middle going bowing down to an idol, right? And my kid does something wrong, I start doing chinuch. Kas, it kills. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. And parents are going to say, well, I had to get angry because of da-da-da-da-da. And it is very hard. You have to learn how to do regular chinuch. But a lot of times, the reason that the Anger has to come is because the behavior is so bad. But if you unravel it, who started this? They started by not behaving and struggling. Correct. But our response was not correct. If you start from the beginning as parents to respond with any true chenuch book, and there's no anger and there's no put down and there's nothing that separates the nafshik shur b'nafshik, and you started that from day one, we wouldn't have any stage four. I would be put out of business. That's my goal, to put myself out of business.